You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and he calls us to preach the word in season and out of season. We pray that as you listen, you'll be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. So here at Cross and Crown, we believe that the Bible is God's word to us. And that when we read the Bible, we are hearing God speak. So today's Bible reading will be taken from the book of First Peter, chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. I'll be reading from the CSB version today. Uh, we'd encourage you to follow along in your own Bibles, or the passage will also be displayed on the screen. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then. Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. This is the word of God. Friends, let me pray again before we hear God speak. Faithful God, open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word. Give us ears that will listen to your word. Transform our hearts that we might live in light of your word. Open our mouths that we might proclaim your word to others. And we ask this for the glory of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. In 2017, there was an 18-year-old girl called Madeline who made it onto the news. Now, unlike what most 18-year-olds make it on the news for, Madeline's appearance is one that might be surprising to some. You see, Madeline made it on the news for being a Christian. In fact, she made it onto the news because she was fired from her job. You might remember at that time, Australia was voting on legalizing same-sex marriage. And so, Madeline put an It's okay to vote no filter on her Facebook profile. Why? Because she believed in God's word. Because Madeline believed that marriage has a particular God-given order. An order where the husband leads in sacrifice and the wife submits in faith. You see, Madeline didn't want to take a step back from who she was, but instead wanted to stand firm for what she believed. And because of that, she suffered. She lost her job, and more painful than that, she was publicly ridiculed by her employer for being a Christian. She was labeled as hurtful, hateful, and homophobic. 
Now put yourself in Madeline's shoes. Perhaps some of you might have already experienced something similar. How would you feel if you were ridiculed for being a Christian? Maybe you might feel shame, like the weight of the world is against you, and you just want to take a step back. Maybe anger, you want to react and fight back. Or maybe you might be like Madeline, shocked and in disbelief at what happened. So far in this letter, Peter's been writing to the Christian exiles scattered throughout the Roman Empire. And these people were living under persecution and pressure. In the midst of living under persecution and pressure, Peter wants them to not take a step back, nor does he want them to fight back. No, he wants them to stand firm in doing good, whatever the cost. Last week in verses 1 to 11, we've heard that Peter wants the exiles to stand firm in suffering by not living for sin, but for God's will. And like last week in verses 12 to 19 today, Peter wants them to stand firm through their suffering. And to do this, Peter firstly wants them not to be surprised when they, st- when they face suffering. Instead, as strange as it sounds, he wants them to rejoice in it. And secondly, Peter wants them not to be ashamed of their suffering, but rather entrust themselves to God, the faithful creator. Why? Because Peter shows that while we share in Christ's suffering now, we'll share in his glory later. While we share in Christ's suffering now, we'll share in his glory later. Let's begin by looking at verses 12 to 14. Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you, as if something unusual was happening to you. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Friends, I wonder if this sounds familiar to you. The language we see here echoes from chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. Look with me there. You rejoice in this, even though for now a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you notice? In chapter 1, Peter calls the exiles to rejoice as they suffer grief in various trials, because their faith is being refined by fire. And now in chapter 4, Peter once again calls exiles to rejoice as they share in Christ's suffering, because their faith is being tested by fiery ordeals. It would have been easy for the exiles to think that the sufferings they were facing were were purposeless or at the hands of men. But in chapter 1, Peter shows that it's God who's refining their faith. And here in chapter 4, Peter wants to remind them that it's God who's ultimately in control of their suffering. That they suffer not without purpose, but is there to refine their character and faith. It's like running a marathon. You can expect to feel the fiery pain and burn, the lactic acid building up every step you take. 
But though you feel the pain, you know that every step you take is one step closer to the finish line. Now you might be wondering what exactly were the fiery ordeals these exiles were facing. In chapter 2, verse 12, we saw that the exiles were being slandered as evildoers. Last week in chapter 4, verse 4, the exiles were being slandered for not joining in with the same flood of wild living. And it's not all too different here. Look with me to verse 14. The exiles were ridiculed for having the name of Christ, or quite literally, for being a Christian. And so Peter is doing the ultimate expectation, expectation setting for these exiles. He wants them not to be surprised about the sufferings they face. Back in verse 4, we saw that the unbelievers are surprised that the exiles don't join them in the flood of wild living. And so here in verse 12, Peter is saying, why then should we be surprised that they despise us? Peter wants to prepare the exiles for suffering so that their faith might not waver. He wants them not to be surprised, but rather prepared. He wants them to see that the sufferings they faced were not unplanned, but rather there's a purpose behind it. So as Christians, we ought to expect it. Peter isn't saying that we go look for it. He's saying that we shouldn't be surprised when we're shamed for our faith. That our posture as God's people should be one that expects suffering. Because if we truly stood firm in doing good, there's a high chance that we'll suffer. In fact, if we're not facing any persecution or pressure for our faith, it's worth asking the question, am I standing firm in doing good? Just as Christ has been rejected by many, we too will be rejected by many. Just as our friends might be surprised that we don't join them in the temporary pleasures of this world, in making our career our life, indulging in comfort or alcohol, why should we be surprised when they condemn us when we do what's good? Friends, don't be surprised when suffering comes our way. Instead, Peter points both the exiles and to us to the appropriate and right response to suffering. Just as we saw in chapter 1, Peter wants us to rejoice in our suffering. Look back with me at verse 13. Instead, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. Did you notice the emphasis of joy used here by Peter? Not just rejoice, not even rejoice with joy, but rejoice with great joy. Doesn't that seem a little bit odd? Or maybe even a bit offensive? In the midst of suffering, how are we supposed to rejoice? Well, Peter exalts us to rejoice in our suffering because of the greater joy and glory that's to be found when Christ is revealed. Because just as we share in Christ's suffering now, we'll share in his glory later. Our present suffering is a sign of our future glory. No suffering, no glory, no cross, no crown. Friends, Jesus is the reason for joy both now and for eternity. Chapter 3, verse 18 says that he suffered for sins once for all, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might be brought to God. 
And according to chapter 3, verse 22, Christ is victorious, and he's now at the right hand of God in all his glory. Christ has gone ahead of us, and so we can follow in his footsteps. We can have confidence of our future glory. We can hold on to Christ, the sure and steady anchor. We can be sure that while we face suffering now, we'll share in his glory later. And so we can rejoice now and rejoice with an even greater joy later. So, are we joyfully suffering in light of our future glory? If our friends reject us for following Jesus, if my parents disown me me for choosing Christ, if my children despise me for the gospel, why should I rejoice? Because our present suffering is a sign of our future glory. If we truly believe of Christ's future glory, we have every reason to rejoice. And not only that, look with me to verse 14. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. What's Peter trying to say here? Imagine walking with me back to your car after church, and you've just found out that someone has broken into your car. And I say to you, hashtag blessed. How are we blessed when we face suffering, when we've been insulted? Well, just look at the letter end of verse 14. We are blessed not because of the insults we bear, but because the spirit of glory and of God rests on us. Did you notice how Peter describes the Holy Spirit? He calls him the spirit of glory. Why of glory? Because the spirit is the assurance of our future glory. The spirit is the assurance of our future glory. He's proved that we bear the name of Christ, that we're children of glory. So while the exiles experience suffering, the Spirit keeps them and helps them endure through it. Now, if you were in exile, it would have felt like a paradox. In reality, you wouldn't have felt like you were blessed or experiencing any glory. In fact, the inverse is probably true. You would have been feeling shame and probably downtrodden. However, Peter points them to an even greater reality. Certainty of salvation, guarantee of glory. And that's what ultimately matters. Friends, we too have the spirit of glory, the spirit of God. And as John Piper puts it, because of him, in our hour of greatest trial, there's great consolation. In our great suffering on earth, there's great support from heaven. And friends, this is only a foretaste of the glory to come. And so we rejoice not in spite of our affliction, but because of it. For it's proof that we have God's glory now, and one day we'll receive it in full. Friends, we've just seen that Peter firstly wants the exiles to stand firm in suffering by not being surprised by it, but rather to rejoice in it. And now Peter wants them not to be ashamed of it, but rather entrust themselves over to God, the faithful creator. And let's continue at verse 15. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. Peter goes on a short excursus here. 
he cautions the exiles to not suffer for doing evil, because when you suffer apart from doing good, you're not blessed. Rather, you bring shame not only to yourself, but to God. Far too many Christians have gone for evil rather than good. Over lockdown, we've seen many churches breach COVID rules, risking the lives of many. Worst off, we've also seen key Christian leaders like Ravi Zacharias and Brian Houston suffer contempt from the world from gross misconduct. Friends, there's nothing good when we suffer for evil, just shame. Shame on us and shame on God. In contrast, when we suffer as a Christian, Peter shows us in verse 16 that we have every reason to glorify God. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in having that name. In our culture today, in the world's eyes, there's little good being associated as a Christian. And so it's sometimes all too easy to be ashamed of who we are, ashamed of being a Christian. I know for myself, even now, I feel anxious reading the Bible or praying with someone in the public because I know that someday someone might come up to me and sneer at me for being a Christian. And as believers in the world, it's sometimes so easy for us to label ourselves as anything but a Christian. It's much easier to say that I go to church, much easier to say that I believe in God. Anything other than that one word, anything other than Christian. Maybe it's because we can already hear the condescending tone bearing upon us. Why aren't you wearing purple? Oh, you're a Christian. Why won't you go clubbing with us? Oh, you're a Christian. And don't worry about asking her to the road trip. She's a Christian. She has to go to church on a Sunday. In a culture where being a Christian is outdated and things are seemingly more hostile towards us, it's so easy to take a step back and be ashamed of who we are. But Peter shows us that we need not be ashamed. Because as Christians, our honor and name is not found in the world, but it's found in God. Sister and brother, I wonder, what name do you long to have? Maybe for some of us, we want to be known as a successful corporate hotshot. Maybe for some of us, we want to be known as a funny or popular person amongst our friends. Or maybe you want to be that person who's got it all. The white picket fence, decent car, and happy family. I wonder, what name do you long to have? Friends, as Christians, we, have my, we might have no name, no honor in the eyes of the world. But who cares? We bear the name of Christ. For God delights in us bearing his name for carrying the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So we can glorify God when we suffer for being a Christian. Because glorifying, praising him means showing by our actions and attitudes that God is glorious to us. That he's valuable, precious, desirable, and satisfying. So if our satisfaction is in God, why would we ever be ashamed? And even if we're ashamed by the world, Peter gives these exiles a hope 
that they can hold on to. Look with me at verses 17 and 18. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will become the outcome for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? For the exiles back then, it would have felt like they were living under judgment, judgment from the world. And I think that's what Peter means when he says, judgment has begun for God's household, a lesser judgment. It's not the final judgment in relation to God's punishment for their sins. Rather, the judgment on God's house is represented through the sufferings the exiles were facing. The ridicule, insults, and shame they bear for carrying the name of Christ. Just as we saw back in chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, here is the judgment which purifies and refines those who truly belong to God. As an exile living under persecution and pressure, they might have every reason to give up. But Peter points them to a greater hope, a greater judgment. Not for them, judgment for those who disobey the gospel. Look with me once again at verse, verses 17 and 18, where Peter quotes Proverbs 11.31. What will be the outcome for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is safe with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I wonder if you could hear the inescapable and sure judgment for those who disobey the gospel in Peter's questions. If you're not a Christian and you're here with us today, I hope that as you watch our lives and the lives of your Christian friends, that you see the sufferings we face for being a Christian. And though it can be difficult, we do have a hope, a sure hope that one day God will vindicate us, that he will judge those who disobey the gospel. And that hope we have, God offers to you too. And it won't be easy to take on, take on the name of Christ to carry it across. But I can promise you, it's worth it. Because of the joy you receive not only now, but even more so when Jesus returns. Brothers and sisters, the exiles might have every reason to be ashamed of being a Christian. And for many of us, though the world might tell us otherwise, we need not be ashamed of who we are. We can wear the name of Christian proudly because we have a hope, a hope of vindication, a hope of glory. And though it will be hard, we should and can entrust ourselves to God, the faithful creator, to literally hand ourselves over to God's care and protection, to commit ourselves to doing his will, to doing good. And we saw what that looks like to do good all the way back in chapter 2, verse 17. Honor everyone, love brothers and sisters, fear God. And we also saw what it looked like last week to be alert and sober-minded for prayer, to maintain constant love for one another, to be hospitable without complaining, to use our gifts to serve one another. And we can because God is the faithful creator who ordered the world. 
He's the faithful God who is sovereign and in control. And once again, as John Piper puts it, God has created your soul for his glory. He's faithful to that glory and to all who love it and live for it. Friends, as we conclude, Peter is showing us today that we will face suffering for being a Christian. There'll be times where we're tempted to step back and not stand firm. So don't be surprised when the suffering and ridicule comes to test us. And when it comes, we need not be ashamed. But even more so, Peter is showing us that in the midst of all these suffering, there is joy. Joy secured by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because God the Father, our faithful creator, protects us. God the Son, Jesus, suffered for us. And God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory, rests upon us. So will we stand firm in doing good? Will we rejoice in the midst of our suffering? Will we entrust ourselves to our faithful creator by committing ourselves to doing good? And friends, this is by the foretaste of the joy we'll feel when Christ is revealed. But when Christ comes again, we can rejoice with an even greater joy as we share in his glory. Let's pray. Faithful creator, help us stand firm as we share in the suffering of Christ in this world. Help us not be surprised or ashamed of being a Christian. Rather, help us rejoice and entrust ourselves to you, faithful creator, loving God. And come, Lord Jesus, as we long for the day where as your children will share in your glory. Amen.